welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. May your grace, O Lord, we pray, at all times go before us and follow after, and make us always determined to carry out good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will prepare for all peoples a banquet of rich food, a banquet of fine wines, of food rich and juicy, of fine strained wines. On this mountain, He will remove the morning veil covering all peoples and the shroud enwrapping all nations. He will destroy death forever. The Lord will wipe away the tears from every cheek. He will take away his people's shame everywhere on earth, for the Lord has said so. That day it will be said, See, this is our God, in whom we hoped for salvation. The Lord is the one in whom we hoped. We exult and we rejoice that he has saved us, for the hand of the Lord rests on this mountain. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Fresh and green are the pastures where he gives me repose. Near restful waters he leads me, to revive my drooping spirit. 
I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He guides me along the right path. He is true to his name. If I should walk in the valley of darkness, no evil would I fear. You are there with your crook and your staff. With these you give me comfort. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You have prepared a banquet for me in the sight of my foes. My head you have anointed with oil. My cup is overflowing. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Surely goodness and kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. In the Lord's own house shall I dwell forever and ever. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. I know how to be poor and I know how to be rich too. I have been through my initiation and now I am ready for anything anywhere. Full stomach or empty stomach, poverty or plenty. There is nothing I cannot master with the help of the one who gives me strength. All the same, it was good of you to share with me in my hardships. In return, my God will fulfill all your needs in Jesus Christ, as lavishly as only God can. Glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. May the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ enlighten the eyes of our heart, that we might see how great is the hope to which we are called. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus began to speak to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a feast for his son's wedding. He sent his servants to call those who had been invited, but they would not come. Next, he sent some more servants. Tell those who have been invited, he said, that I have my banquet all prepared, my oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, everything is ready, come to the wedding. But they were not interested. One went off to his farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, maltreated them, and killed them. The king was furious. He dispatched his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burnt their town. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready. But as those who were invited proved to be unworthy, go to the crossroads in the town and invite everyone you can find to the wedding. So these servants went out onto the crossroads and collected together everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the king came in to look at the guests, he noticed one man who was not wearing a wedding garment, and he said to him, How did you get in here, my friend, without a wedding garment? And the man was silent. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him out into the dark, where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the parable that we have uh, today 
follows on in Matthew's gospel from last week's passage about the vineyard that was leased out to the tenants who, you know, wouldn't render the harvest to the master. Um, And of course, that prompted the landowner to seek new workers for his vineyard. Well, the logic behind the parable of the wedding banquet and the king is, is pretty similar. That, you know, those who were first invited don't take up the invitation, and so it's extended more broadly to a new people who find themselves invited to the wedding banquet. And so the parable of the vineyard, the parable of the wedding banquet, they're addressed to this same group of people, right? The chief priests and the elders, the ones of the religious establishment who are deaf to the invitation of faith in the Son of God. And, you know, because they turn down the invitation, they're going to find themselves on the outside But though the two parables mirror each other in that broad conclusion about, you know, the vineyard or the invitation, you know, being conferred upon others, there are slightly different emphases in the parable. I think the first thing to notice about the banquet is that it's royal. That means, you know, the occasion is extremely important and the invitation is precious. Maybe it's something like receiving an invitation to the wedding of... Prince William and Kate Middleton. I mean, Prince William, of course, is the heir to the throne. And so, you know, we might ask ourselves, well, what excuse would be sufficient to decline such an invitation? And it seems as though the king reaches out to the invitees three times, first with the invitation itself, then he sends his servants, and lastly, he sends his servants to plead with them. You know, the banquet's all prepared, my oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, everything's ready, come to the wedding. And again, the invitations declined. Now, there's something really wrong with this picture. It's unthinkable that the invitation would be declined in the first place, let alone to have the king plead for the invited guests to come to the wedding of his son. But, you know, there's also something else going on in the parable. The wedding feast of the son of a king, not just a special occasion, it's also one of great political importance. The wedding feast of the son of the king was a way of affirming the rightful reign of the king and of acknowledging the legitimate succession of his son. And so, you know, the invitation of the king is an invitation to express loyalty to him and to his successor. You know, coming to the wedding was to place yourself under the reign of the king. And so not coming is kind of the opposite. And so when we enter into the logic of the parable, then we can start to see why the king reacts in such a violent way against the first invitees. They're rejecting him and the legitimacy of his son. And so you kind of find that there's actually no neutral position before the king to refuse him is to oppose him. And so in both the parable of the vineyard and the parable of the wedding banquet, Jesus elicits from his listeners a kind of feeling of anger and disgust toward the tenants and invitees. But the twist at the end is that Jesus drops the hammer on them and says, Oi, you chief priests, you elders of the people, you guys are the ones who are acting like boneheads. You guys are the ones who are turning down this invitation, which you can't do without also rejecting the king himself. But here's the thing. It's not like the invitation is to go to work or to do something difficult or to suffer something unpleasant. It's an invitation to a banquet. 
you know, um, I suppose a banquet is, you know, a familiar event to most of us. Like at table, our hunger is satisfied, you know. At a banquet, we're in the company of others. And, you know, usually such celebratory banquets as weddings are occasions of great joy. The parable of the wedding banquet, it seems to draw out all of these experiences, a feeling of fullness as opposed to hunger, an experience of company with friends as opposed to loneliness, an experience of joy as opposed to sorrow. The wedding feast seems to correspond to our deepest desires for love, for friendship, for fullness. Now, here's the curious thing. It's the king who sends out the invitation and then sends out his servants to plead that those who are invited would enter into the banquet. It's for them. It's not something that's going to leave them with less. It's going to be their fulfillment. So why do they go back to their preoccupations? Why do they go back to their rather frivolous daily lives. Going to the wedding banquet, it's all gift. Now, when we step out of the logic of the parable for a second, we start to discover pretty quickly that this banquet is prepared for us too. A sumptuous, free invitation of satisfying food, engrossing friendship and endless joy. And yet, we vacillate in accepting the invitation wholeheartedly. Don't we? I mean, why? Sometimes, I suppose, we focus on our more superficial hungers, you know, those desires aimed at power or reputation or wealth or pleasure. And we think that if God alone feeds us, then we won't have those things and we'll go hungry. So, you know, we need to cut. So, you know, we need to keep one foot in the banquet hall and the other one outside so that we can grasp for ourselves those things which we crave which we suspect that God won't give us. And so these unhealthy hungers, they they can keep us from God. But what else holds us back from responding to the invitation fully? We know and seek Christ's friendship, but still we seem to prefer a little bit of distance from him. Perhaps because we fear total vulnerability. You know, nagging in the back of our minds is the suspicion, right? Well, what if, what if I get hurt? So it's better to maintain a safe distance and to shield my vulnerability. You know, we can be half-hearted in our friendship, hiding from God and keeping our own company instead of fully seeking His. When we add it all up, reading the parable, we can see that those invitees are really foolish for turning down the invitation. It's free. It's not something that comes at a cost. And it's something that actually corresponds to their deepest desires. So why do they not take it? Because it means giving up our own plans, our own preoccupations, our day-to-day, and handing it over to him. Now, I think Pope Benedict reflected on this beautifully. This is a quote from the homily which he preached as his installation as, as Pope in 2005. Um, and let, let me just, I'll, I'll just quote it, quote it straight for you. 
are we not perhaps all afraid in some way? If we let Christ enter fully into our lives, if we open ourselves totally to him, are we not afraid that he might take something away from us? Are we not perhaps afraid to give up something significant, something unique, something that makes life so beautiful? Do we not then risk ending up diminished and deprived of our freedom? No. If we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing of what makes life free, beautiful and great. No. Only in this friendship are the doors of life opened wide. Only in this friendship is the great potential of human existence truly revealed. Only in this friendship do we experience beauty and liberation. And so today, with great strength and great conviction, on the basis of long personal experience of life, I say to you, dear young people, do not be afraid of Christ. He takes nothing away and he gives you everything. When we give ourselves to him, we receive a hundredfold in return. Yes, open, open wide the doors to Christ and you will find true life. Now, it's a lengthy quote, but gee, I love it. I find myself going back to it so often. But I think what Pope Benedict says there is a pretty brilliant summary of the conclusion that we come to in the parable. Why the heck would you turn down the invitation? It makes no sense. What are you going back to? Just your farm? Just your business? You're just going back to more work and drudgery and toil. To take up the Lord's invitation is to be drawn, like the prophet Isaiah said in the first reading, to be drawn into a banquet of rich food, a banquet of fine wines, of food rich and juicy, of fine strained wines. The Lord doesn't leave us with less. He pours it all into our lap and gives us so much more than what our own imagines can conceive. So open wide the door to Christ. Say yes to the invitation to the wedding feast and find there the fulfilment of our deepest longings. And now let's together profess our faith by praying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the, the Father, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days. 
that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.